Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host. I am Chris. Uh, with me back for his uh, second week. He obviously impressed last week. Was Mark? Hello. How are you? Very well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. I nearly forgot we were doing this. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether you'd remember or not because you said I might be available, and you never, you never reconfirmed. You've got one of those dodgy um, lines that commentators used to use in the 1980s, sort of commentating from Eastern Europe. Well, I was talking through a yogurt pot on a string, so that's why it sounded a bit funny till I switched to my phone. Oh, that sounds good. You're sounding loud and clear now. Uh, and with us, we've got star of uh, BBC One uh, daytime viewings, Thief Trackers. Uh, we've got Dominic Littlewood. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don't be kidding. It's Alex for his first appearance of the season. Hello, how are you? Very well, how are you? Yeah, not bad at all. You've been a busy boy, haven't you? Uh, I have. I have been quite busy, yeah. Yeah. Still time for football, though. Well, I have been watching Thief Trackers. It's been very good. Not as entertaining as the hashtag, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, people... People love having a... Fuck it. I, I did... Football manager stuff for the BBC website just... on transfer deadline day. Like, I know what it's like to get <laughs> <coughs> slated on the internet. And to be fair, there wasn't that much with with uh, Thief Trackers. I just decided not to involve myself. No, you did very well. No, I, just, I, thought, I did read some of the, some of the uh, comments on the hashtag, and I did think back to your time at the BBC. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. You I thought the one, the one thing that was missing, going back to um, the football manager stuff, Football manager expert was probably in in um, apostrophes in speech marks on the BBC website. I was expecting when I saw your name on the telly come up <laughs> and under it said crime advisor in inverted commas. Yeah, I think that might have asked too many questions about him <laughs> just the way I was advising with regards to crime. <laughs> well, I still remember someone writing Broken Britain about your time on the BBC. Uh, yeah, and that person was a friend of a friend of mine. Oh, was he? Yeah, bless him. Yeah, <laughs> that, that then, that, well, I, I say friend, I mean somebody somebody who I know quite well but haven't seen for a while, she then contacted me and went, by the way, I'm really sorry, that was a mate of mine who <laughs> said that thing about Broken Breton, but I'm sure he's a nice guy. It's like, okay, cool, good. Yeah, it has been very good. I mean, it's Because um, it's on in the mornings as well when I'm getting my breakfast and the kids are getting ready for school, so we have been watching it. I'm, I'm delighted. You and well over a million others. So oh, very happy about that. A million people can't be wrong. Well, I mean, there are numerous historic examples to show that that isn't exactly the case. But well, John Stuart Mill would disagree because he'd talk about the tyranny of the majority. But you know, oh, it's definitely not the majority. So we're <laughs> safe on that score. <laughs> we're okay. Excellent. Well, we look forward to season two. 
Uh, so do I, hopefully. Yeah. She'll see. Aren't you've got Escape to the Country written all over you. Well, I, you know, I can dig out my tweed jacket and potter around where I grew up. That looks such a fun thing to do, though. I uh, I saw one recently on um, on daytime, which was, um, I mean, it was called something like Houses on the Coast because that's exactly what it was, and it was just a person going to these houses on the coast and going, "This is a nice house, isn't it? Let's see how nice it is." And that was half an hour's worth of television right there. Brilliant. It must be great. You get to go to these nice places, and you stay in a hotel the night before, have a nice big breakfast, and then go do a day's filming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there is literally nothing bad about it. So <laughs> Exactly. My fingers are crossed. I need to get an agent or something. Yeah, you definitely do. Um, right, well, we're going to talk about the Champions League this week, and we're going to talk about the Premier League games forthcoming, and if we can stay awake enough, we'll talk about Liverpool and Manchester United as well. So, I will start with Wednesday night, and the game I actually sat and watched through, um, which was Barcelona 4, Manchester City nil. Messi hat-trick, uh, Neymar with a fourth after his penalty was saved, much to the happiness of Steve McManaman. Former Manchester City player and Real Madrid player Steve McManaman commentated on this game. Um, I kind of thought that City were the architects of their own downfall. Fernandinho had his little slip, didn't he, for the first goal? Um, Claudio Bravo, obviously, with his slightly bonkers red card as he came out of the area and did a Rene Higuita. Um, and Kevin De Bruyne gave the ball away for one of the goals. Did anybody see this or highlights of this? Just highlights. Okay. Um, you see, I... <laughs> I thought City are the architects of their own downfall, and from what I watched, I thought they got outplayed. The commentator on BT Sport and the Football Weekly podcast um, both thought it was slightly closer than what the scoreline suggested. Well, I think if if you get a player sent off, then obviously there's an opportunity to have a scoreline that doesn't necessarily reflect the balance of the game up until that point. Um and I think Fernandinho was really unlucky to slip at that point um, because, uh, you know, there was, at that point, there was literally nothing that you could do. Obviously, Messi was going to take it around um, and score. Bravo should have just hoofed it. I, I think the issue with that was that he was trying to play quite a soft pass on a on a half volley um, and got himself in all kinds of trouble. And, and I know that Pep's got this thing and, and actually Tesh Dagan the Barcelona keeper has, has been criticised for the same thing you know they like their goalkeepers to play out from the back and have confidence and so on but I do think sometimes if if a coach talks too much about goalkeepers doing that kind of thing they they almost take the harder option sometimes because they feel that's what expected of them Joe rather Hart than would, just hoofing it Joe Hart would have just twatted it Joe Hart wouldn't have been out that far no that's true um so, um, I mean, they are, they're very different, obviously, keepers in, in that style. And I know Bravo does have real pedigree, but at the same time, that, that was a pretty unforgivable error. Um, but it, it's hard to say from watching highlights whether there was as much balance to that game as the score. You know, I'd, I'd be surprised with a 4-0 scoreline if it, if it weren't closer because of how good City can be. Um, but I, it wouldn't really be fair for me to say. Yeah, I mean, he didn't knock it too far over. It, it wasn't as if it was looping into the goal. There was a covering defender as well. I just found it really strange. The thing I really did like was Messi's 
first goal, uh, the Fernandinho slip, the way he took it round Bravo, just that extra little touch just to get him Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I thought Neymar's goal was superb as well. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. I I was also quite gratified because I was watching the highlights on the sofa with the girlfriend and and said before they started that Bravo was a liability and was likely to do something stupid. And lo and behold, I I was proved correct. Did she stare at you with awe? Um... No, I think she was probably on WhatsApp at the time or something. <laughs> she genuinely doesn't give a shit about football. <laughs> Texted her mate saying, I'm sat with this very boring man talking about Claudia Bravo. Yeah, something along those lines, yeah. <laughs> what have I, where's it all gone wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what could it have been? Um, Mark, they left Sergio Aguero on the bench, didn't they? Mm, interesting play. tactic, you would think. I was going to say, yeah, what would we be thinking behind that? Well, I can understand it. I mean, Aguero, a great player though he is, um, maybe they thought, or maybe Guardiola thought, that uh, by having De Bruyne, uh, Sterling and Nolito, was it, at the start? Yeah. Uh, maybe they um, maybe they were going to keep possession better uh, from the midfield going forward rather than playing it into the channels or looping it up a bit for Aguero when they would potentially lose more ball by doing that, regardless of how good a player he is. Um, so maybe they thought by by having a not a striker, not a false nine, but like, let's say like a three quarter line, three quarter forward line that would keep the ball better um, and not lose it as far, as deep as PK and Mascarano. That would keep them in the game a bit more. And from from what it seemed, just by the highlights, is all I saw, mind you, is that in the first half it, it seemed to work quite well. I thought Sterling looked very dangerous on on several breaks, uh, and it looked to work. And the plan probably was 60 or 70 minutes in, if it was like 1-0 or or still still a draw at that time, that would have been when Aguero would have come on, I suppose. But obviously it all went a bit awry in the second half before that had a chance to play out. There was one cross that came in at the start of the second half. and it's, uh, I think it was Sterling that crossed it in straight across the heart of the six-yard box. And it was just crying out for Aguero to be stood there to knock it in. Yeah, but then you say that, but they might have been 3-0 down had they gone with their usual formation against Barcelona in Barcelona. So it would have been an irrelevant chance at that time had it come along, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Um, No wins in four now for Manchester City uh, after their early dominance. Because people were talking the other week when they were going through their purple patch at the start, like they were going to walk away with the league by about 25 points. Um, and no wins in four now for City. And who have they got the weekend, Alex? Uh, they've got us. They've got Southampton, haven't they? Yeah. Would you like a couple of Southampton stats? Please. They've got three wins and two draws in their last few games in the league. And mm. they have lost in their last five visits to Etihad. To the Etihad. Mm. But in 2016, Manchester City got 49 points. Do you know how many points Southampton have got? 51. Well, well done. I say that a little bit well done, but a little bit... I wanted you to say how many, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. 51, we've, also, we've only con- I know, I know. We've only conceded one goal in the last seven games, and that was a penalty. Oh, have you? Mm, yeah, Burnley scored a penalty against us uh, uh, on Sunday in a very, very one-sided match. Um, but uh, apart from that, We've um, 
we've been playing really, really well. The the, the new formation's starting to click excellently. Mm. Um, uh, Charlie Austin's scored, I think it's uh, six in his last seven games in all competitions. Um, but the the real story for Southampton is Oriol Romeo um, starting to fulfil the potential that he had when actually he was at Barcelona and then that reasonably um, sized money move to, to Chelsea before he got a couple of knee injuries. Um, but he's now very, very much the player that, that he could have been when he left La Masia. Is he uh, the new one yarm, is he? Um, he's... He's very much of that ilk, yes. Um, I'd say he's probably uh, slightly less mobile than Wanyama, but uh, better at passing. Um, but then he's got um, Stephen Davis and one of um, Jordi Classy or Pierre-Emile Hoiberg either side of him. So the mobility is provided by them. Um, and he just breaks up the play, intercepts fantastically. Um, so he's, yeah, he's... He's doing very, very well at the moment. How are you going to do against them? Uh, I, I think it's going to be all about how. Um, uh, well, I suppose it's it's difficult to know. City are, are changing their formation, or not for their formation, but changing their style of play reasonably um, frequently. And as as Mark said, you know, with playing De Bruyne as part of that front three with Nolito and, and Sterling. And that, Sterling has been superb so far this season um, and is getting forward a lot. No player has had more touches in the opposition box um, for any Premier League side than Sterling. And um, I think if we can nullify him uh, and and push those two wide players back, which we've got the fullbacks to do, to be fair, um, then a draw, I would say, is a possibility. I don't think we'll win. Mm. Um but I, I think coming away with the point would be would be a good result and, and an achievable one. Okay, um, Mark, did you see the Celtic highlights? They lost two nil at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach. I did. I caught most of that. Yeah. So who do you think had a worse Wednesday night? Do you think that was Claudio Bravo or Colo Torre? Um, I think <laughs> I think on the balance of it, probably Torre because it, it's okay. It was four nil in the end at Man City Barcelona, but you it wasn't a surprise for them to lose. And they can. There's a way back for them. I think Celtic would have viewed home to Borussia Mönchengladbach as a game that they had to get points out. But even if it was a draw, um, they had to get points out of that game if they've got any chance of making it into the Europa League. But um, yeah, two horrendous mistakes, really, wasn't it? It was. He apologised at the end. It was very difficult not to feel sorry for him. Um, well, Group C stands up. Barcelona on nine points. Uh, then Manchester City on four. Of course, they play each other next. Um, only a point ahead, though, of Borussia Mönchengladbach on three and Celtic on one. And City are away at Gladbach on the last round of the Champions League group stages. That could be a very, very important match, couldn't it? Yeah, because, again, if they get anything out of Barcelona at home, that would be fantastic. That's a bonus. You'd think they would turn Celtic over at home. But Mönchengladbach have probably got the same fixes as City before it comes to that. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be the one. But they've got to stop having players sent off against Barcelona as well, haven't they, City? Yeah, was that like four in the last five times they've met them? Something like that. There's quite a few, isn't there? I remember Dean Michaelis getting sent off, um, and there's been others as well, hasn't there? Yeah, they did say that whatever the stat was, they said it in, in the commentary last night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they also didn't help themselves with their defending once they'd gone down to ten men. I mean, Stones 
was quite wishy-washy at times. Um, that first goal, Otter Mendy was horrific. Yes. Just letting Messi run off him. I know that was before the sending off, but I mean that that was more crucial, I think, than the slip itself because Otter Mendy was still in with a chance of cutting that off. So they were only part-time defending last night. You can't help falling over, can you? But you can kind of help your position. Oh, yeah, watch it. He just he just stops. He stops, and, and you know that's criminal in, in any level of football, but particularly the biggest game in Europe. Uh, well, better news is Arsenal 6, Ludi Gretz 0. Um, Mesut Ozil gets a hat-trick. Um, Theo Walker and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain scored. Now, this is the first time since the year 2000 when two Englishmen have scored for Arsenal in the Champions League. Anyone want to hazard a guess as to who the other two Englishmen were? What year was that? 2000, when the disco was. Oh, right. And who was it for? Was it for Arsenal or another team? Arsenal. Yeah, so it's the first time two Englishmen scored for Arsenal since 2000. Parler. Yes. I would have said Parler as well. And Adams. No, oh, shift to your right a little bit. Keown. Dixon. 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 There you go. Huh? Well done. Uh, I've got no idea what the fixture was. I don't know who was going to let a goal in from Lee Dixon. I've got no idea. But yeah, they won 6 0. Um. And they've got Middlesbrough next at home on Arsenal Wenger's 67th birthday. Very nice. They've won twice when they played on his birthday before against Reading and Man City. Mm. Um, Do you know who else's birthday is at the weekend? Is it yours, Alex? <laughs> no, it's not mine. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one for Mark to get excited about. What date is that? <clears throat> 22nd oh. of October. Is it Douglas Fergie? No, Mason Holgate turns 20. Oh, right. I'll have to send him a, a cake or something. He could jump yeah. out of it. <laughs> It'd have to be a fucking big cake. <laughs> you could be like Eric Erlenayak in Under Siege. Oh, what a scene that was. Yeah. Uh, Ronald Koeman could be Tommy Lee Jones or something. I feel a remake coming on. <laughs> Uh, well, also in Group A, uh, PSG beat Basel 3-0. Goals from Di Maria, uh, Lucas Moura and Cavani. So Arsenal and PSG share the top at seven points each. And then Basel and Ludogorets on one. Um, Group G, Leicester City 1, Copenhagen 0. Leicester City have got more Champions League points than Premier League points. Ria Barra scored for them. Anybody see the highlights for this? Just Morris's goal, nothing else. I think that was pretty much all it was anyway. Um, Slimani <laughs> had a goal disallowed for offside, which he wasn't very happy with. Um, and then Andreas Cornelius went close for Copenhagen and then Kasper Speichel had to make a heck of a save uh, right at the end. And Leicester are the fifth team to win their first three games in their Champions League debut. Well, well. Uh the others are. Eight. I hope you're not going to ask us. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. The others are Milan, PSG, Juventus, and Malaga. Um, Malaga. Malaga, yeah. That would have been Pellegrini's Malaga, wouldn't it? When they had all the money worries. Uh, it, yeah, it was the transition season between being seriously rich and then realizing that actually there was just nothing there anymore. Yes. And they had to sell everyone. Wait for some kind of Liam Byrne note in their sort of box saying there's no money left. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Vardy's not scored for eight games now. No. No, and they played Vardy and Moussa up front together at the weekend, which 
struck me as a bit odd when you've got when you've got Slimani who's so good in the air you would think playing a, a smaller quicker guy off him would make sense rather than having two small quick guys up front but hmm. I don't know it's the I can it all be put down to them not having Kante anymore it can't all be because remember they had that when they were about to be relegated they had that fantastic run didn't they and they didn't mm. have Kante then no that's true uh, I mean whether it's just the exhaustion of, of what happened or they you know they haven't integrated necessarily two or three really really good players and it was it was something that Shearer said um, uh, with relation to when Blackburn won in whenever it was 90 90- Oh, no. 95, 96. 94, 95, 96. 94, 95. 94, 95. So what Shearer was saying was that they, they failed to then build on that by bringing in a couple of really, really good players to just take them to the next level and sustain the challenge. And, and Leicester haven't really done that. Amati's a good prospect um, and Moose's a good prospect, but they're not, you know, they're not marquee signings. Um. So I, I guess they, they just kind of feel like it's you know it's a massive hangover from last season. Yeah. Is it is it a hangover or are they? I think it, it was never going to be realistic that they're going to challenge for the league again. But it certainly wasn't realistic that they were going to challenge on two fronts. And maybe they are deliberately targeting the Champions League and say, right, well, we've already we've already accomplished one dream. Uh, why don't we go full on for the Champions League dream and okay, the league will take care of itself. We're not going to win it. It's unlikely we're going to finish in top four or five ever again. So why don't we go for something new now and we'll deal with the league situation whenever it comes up? Yeah, that 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 may be so. Um, I mean, I, I don't know that. I don't know that it's that unlikely that they would have not finished in the top maybe four or five again. I mean, it's it's not like other teams have really put a stamp on things so far. Um, I think if Leicester has, have an issue off the back of last season, it's that they played in a very unusual style for the Premier League last season, and I guess teams have kind of figured that out to an extent. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the press and putting putting teams under pressure very high up the pitch now Leicester are kind of getting swamped by that rather than being able to to release players over the top and then use Vardy's pace in quite the same way. So it may be more that other teams have kind of adapted to it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily because, yeah, okay, yes, Chelsea weren't that great last, or Chelsea were pretty shit last season, but, um, you know, no one has really kind of blistered out of the blocks apart from Man City um, and and Spurs. Yeah, no, I suppose, yeah, just, yeah. And, and and they were both very good last season as well at this point. So, um, But yeah, it's, it's probably a combination of factors that are too complex for us to understand. They played also quite a lot of teams um, in the top half of the table. They played Liverpool, they played Chelsea, Manchester United. They played quite a lot of big teams. Um, they have got this weekend, though, Mark, Crystal Palace, which is the uh, Nigel Pearson, James MacArthur, Ostrich derby. Ostrich? Yes. Explain. Nigel Pearson called a reporter an ostrich. Oh, yeah, of course he did, yeah. That, and that was him done for then, wasn't it, after that? Yeah. <laughs> and then he tried... That was when James MacArthur fell over into him, wasn't it? And he took an extraordinarily mm. long time to pick him up. 
in a very weird That's way. Right. In a way that involved trying to pick him up by his throat, if I recall. Well, he kind of picked him up and he held him for a long time, didn't he? And wouldn't let go. Oh, was it not? Was it not James MacArthur that he throttled on the ground? Was that someone else? Well, he kind of did that. And then he picked him up and then he wouldn't let let him go. And James MacArthur kind of smiled for a bit and then he got a bit (laughs) embarrassed and thought, this is just really strange. Yeah. Um, Nigel Pearson is really strange, so... (laughs) I wonder if he is really strange or whether deep down there's a very, very unconfident person in there and it just comes out in these very strange displays of behaviour. That's also possibly true. Getting inside his head might be very interesting. Mm. Like in some kind of inner space thing. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> uh, well, Leicester got slight doubts over West Borg and Jamie Vardy and Andy King. Um... They had two one nil wins over Palace last season, didn't they? Uh, but Palace have beaten the reigning champions um, two out of the last three times they played the reigning champions. So they beat Chelsea last season or something. Mm. It was a very impressive stat when I read it, and now as I'm reading it back here, I think I've written it down wrong. No, no, that is that is roughly right. Yeah. Well, they lost last week, didn't they, to ten men West Ham, didn't they? And Ben Teke missed that penalty. Yes. Um, it was Lanzini, wasn't it? He's good. That was it, yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Leicester doing all right in the Champions League. Nine points. Uh, Club Bruges lost 2-1 at home to Porto. Uh, this was a 92nd-minute penalty. This was quite exciting, this was. Um, I don't think it was this game, but there was certainly one game in this round of the Champions League where someone scored against their parent club that they're on loan to. Ah... Uh. Yes. It happened in the last round of Champions League games. I think it's happened this time. Is it this or it might have been CSKA or something? Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, definitely. Because they've made a point about the fact that he celebrated. He did actually, of, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, but I, I say they made a point. I can't, I can't remember who made the point or about which player, but it definitely <laughs> happened. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I played a game at school. Well, it wasn't at school. It was... Um, I was played a game once and we had more players than the other team and I was having an absolute shocker and so at half time we deemed it fair that we were given we gave them one of our players and it's decided because I played so bad I go play for them and I scored and I've never celebrated so much in all my life I thought you bastards shipping me off over there that's just cruel isn't it yeah it was about 15 years 3 months 2 days and 75 minutes ago not that I've forgotten these things no such slights are to be dwelt on. <laughs> uh, Leverkusen, they drew 0-0 with Spurs, didn't they? Um, Lloris kept them in it a little bit, Mark, didn't he? I didn't see any of this. I just saw seen that one save where he sort of claws it off the line and manages to get hold of it before uh, one of the Leverkusen attackers comes in and hooks it in. Um, so that's not a bad result because Leverkusen are um, regular in the Champions League, aren't they? Yep. Always a very difficult... Uh, opponent in Leverkusen so yeah not a bad result I suppose yeah Janssen hit the bar Alamela and Deli Alley went close um, this season Spurs have had 43 shots in the Champions League and scored two goals mm. there's your problem uh, well they stay top on or no they stay second actually because um, uh, Monaco were top on five points by Leverkusen got three CSK got two where Igor Akinfeev was four minutes away from what Oh no, that's a different song. 
Probably. Oh, keeping a clean sheet in the Champions League for the first time in living memory. Uh, it was ten years. Did you say Tulsa or Tulsa Hill? Tulsa. Tulsa. Oh, you nearly you nearly showed you're in a Carter fan then. <laughs> uh, Spurs this season uh, this weekend they are away at Bournemouth. They've won their last three at home. Uh, yeah, and Bournemouth haven't beaten Spurs in any competition since 1957. Yeah, but not many of those players are playing now, though. Well, I, mm, that back four has been pretty much the same for as long <laughs> as I can remember. So I do often want, you know when you watch TV and the commentator says, the so-and-so haven't beaten this team since 1970. You think, well, that's really irrelevant. Only what happen- counts has happened over the last couple of years, surely. I've got a good stat about the last couple of years for Bournemouth. Go on then. So Bournemouth beat Hull City 6-1 in their last game, right? Yep. That accounts for 10.5% of all their goals scored in the Premier League. Is it? Yep. Because they've scored 57. Wow. God, I could tell you were sitting back as you said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is point. that just because my voice got slightly quieter? <laughs> yeah, that was like a, that was like leaned, a... leaned away from the microphone. Yeah, hands behind head, drops mic. <laughs> yep. um, well, last season in their head-to-head, Spurs won two, uh, and they are eight-one goals for and against. So, could anyone see a Bournemouth win? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think I, mean, I can. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think Spurs, Spurs are a good side, but Hayne, Harry, Harry, Harry Kane has not started clicking yet. Interesting what you said about how many shots they've taken in the Champions League. Eriksson's had 24 attempts on goal this season, but hasn't scored. So they're obviously like shooting like mad because mm. Kane isn't scoring for them and, and not, you know, if if Bournemouth stays solid, well, he's injured, and then isn't he, Kane? Uh, is he injured for this game? I think he's been injured for a few yeah, weeks. For, I think he's been out for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, oh, and Alderweireld's out as well. Yeah, having made forty six consecutive appearances for Spurs in the Premier League. Is this time to, for me to drop Jermaine Defoe and bring back Callum Wilson in my dream team? Um, if you're gonna have a Bournemouth player in your dream team I'd have Charlie Daniels probably yeah yeah maybe I'll go for him then instead personally okay um, Group H uh, DMO nil uh, Sevilla won Seven yeah, Nasri scored uh, and then Leon nil Juventus won this was quite good fun um, Juventus went down to 10 men quite a rather bad tempered game this was uh, Quadrado absolutely walloped his goal did you see this no what your mate would call a thunder bastard. Ah. Um, do you remember the goal that Felipe Melo scored in the World Cup from that ridiculously tight angle? No. Do you remember this, Mark? Was it Felipe Melo? Felipe Melo's it... No, it wasn't Felipe Melo, was it? It was one of the... Oh, um, the fullback. He's played for... He's played for Manchester City as well, didn't he? Uh, George... No, not... Slovenia. No. The big, big man... Mycon. Mycon, that's the one. Yes, yeah, sorry, not Felipe Miller. Um Yes, he absolutely, <laughs> he absolutely walloped it, didn't he, between the keeper and the near post. Do you remember that goal? Yes, I remember that goal. Yes, sorry, yeah. It was very similar to that, but imagine the ball being kicked a little bit 
higher towards the sort of top corner rather than staying on the ground. It's very, very good goal. Um, and then Gianluigi Buffon proving rumours of his demise are greatly exaggerated as he kept them in it with uh, several fantastic saves. Um, so Group H is now Juventus and Seville with seven. Leon three. Dinamo Zagreb with nil. Um, Sporting one. Dortmund two. Uh, in the other group games, in the other group, which I forgot to write down, so I don't know which one it is. Um, Real Madrid five. The edge of Warsaw one. This was quite close briefly because Warsaw hit the post, didn't they, a little bit? And they had the penalty when it was to make it 1-1. If you say so. Yeah, <laughs> it did. I believe you. <laughs> these, these aren't the draws you were looking for. Um, mm. Well, I tell you what, this is interesting for Manchester City a little bit, if you think about it. Juventus on seven points, Seville second on seven points, Dortmund on seven points, Real Madrid on seven points. In the world of finishing top, getting you everything... If you finish top, you play a very good team. If you finish second, you're still also playing a very good team, potentially, aren't you? Well, that's yes, that's right. There's a lot of very good teams in Europe. So does it matter if you finish first or second? Definitely for Man City, because they always... Well, first of all, every time they've been in the Champions League, they always end up with a really shitty group. And they've got quite a tough group this time as well. Mm. And then because they keep finishing second when they do progress, and this is what Arsenal have been afflicted by the last few years is they end up in the, the round of 16 getting stiffed with... OK, there's a bit, there's a look of the draw involved as well, but they always seem to get stiffed with the hardest or at least one of the two hardest teams left in it. So, you know, you've got to finish up high as possible because if they finish second, you know, they there's probably only one group winner who is ever what you would call substandard for a group winner in the Champions League. There's maybe one surprise group winner. So, you know, you've got, what, what chance is that? A one in eight chance of picking that team out? Uh, yes, but also if you look at Group D, um, you've got Atletico beat Rostov 1-0 and Bayern Munich beat PSV 4-1. So you've got Atletico Madrid top on nine and Bayern Munich on six. So you're still going to play somebody decent. If, you've, if you think that if, if the group stage has ended today, you've got Bayern Munich finishing second, then you'd have Seville finishing second and you would have Real Madrid finishing second. So finishing top of your group doesn't guarantee you a, a, a home banker at any rate, does it? No, it doesn't. But it's you've got a better chance of pulling somebody reasonable out of a hat than you do um, if you finish second and then have to get a group winner out of the hat. Okay. Um, well, that Bayern Munich game, they won the one for one. Uh, Josh Kimmich scored his eighth goal in eleven games, and Iron Robin finished off a thirty-three pass move for their fourth goal. Yeah. Not bad, is it? Um, and in Group B, finally, Dinamo, Kiev, Nil, Benfica 2. Uh, Napoli, this is probably the game of the week, actually. Napoli 2, Besiktas 3. Uh, a Ricardo Quaresma assist for the winner, of course. Uh, so Napoli top on 6. They've got Besiktas, uh, Besiktas on 5. Uh, Benfica on 4. And then Dinamo, Kiev on 1. Um, should we talk a bit more about the Premier League? Or has anybody got anything else they want to talk about? Championship or anything else? Premier League's fine with me. Yeah. Oh, I'll talk about anything you like. <laughs> World peace. Except that. <laughs> uh, Burnley versus Everton, Mark. Let's start with that then, shall we? Um, Burnley have got Stephen DeFore, Ashley Barnes and Andre Gray missing. Andre Gray sitting out his last game with that suspension. Um, I think the lesson for anybody learns there is never score against Liverpool in the era of social media because they will find your old oh. tweets. 
And that was uh, very nearly a, a superb Freudian slip you made there when you said his name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I seamlessly went back over it, but obviously not. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we'll have to give you a five-match podcast ban for, for making, making such a, a glaring mistake. Do you think? I can actually go to bed at a decent time on a Thursday night. Mm. Um, um, I was, sorry, I was just going to say, Dean Marnie has scored three goals, uh, three career goals, and do you know who they're against, Mark? Is one of them Everton? All three of them are Everton. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Who for? I don't know, whoever he's played for and scored for. <clears throat> two for Spurs in January 2005, one for Hull in November 2009. There you go. Yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole goal... Rings a bell, but I don't even remember him playing for Spurs. I don't either. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> I just saw that stat and thought that looked quite good. <laughs> I got a feeling he was about twenty-two or something. But if he played in two thousand and five, yeah. Oh well, so nailed on. How did you know that so quick, Alex? That would be telling. <sighs> so tell. I I do some work for a sports social media company producing detailed and complex stats for upcoming Premier League games. Yeah, but Dean Marnie, I mean, it's not like Sergio Aguero or something. That's quite specific. Yep. It's a stat for the game. You've got your hands behind your head again, haven't you? No, no. I've I've got my my Game Week 9 one-page document in front of me with... I mean, I've got more stats than are of actually any utility to anyone so <laughs> what else do you want to know about this game uh, I tell you what how many Harry saves Tom Heaton has made this season in the Premier League how many saves has he made yeah he's made 39 and how many more than that is the person because that's the most of the Premier League isn't it yes we're having a stat off aren't we yeah I will <laughs> win but yeah go on <laughs> How many more is that than the person in the second? Uh, eight. And how many saves did he make last weekend? Eleven. Uh-uh. Premier League website yeah. said eight. Last, what, against Southampton? Yeah. No, it was eleven. Premier League website or the Premier League app said eight. Well, Opta says eleven. Well, Opta can... <laughs> <laughs> Alex Stewart saves advisor. Yeah, damn right. Uh, Tom Heaton has the best... Oh, why don't you just go and marry Tom Heaton? He's he's got the joint best save percentage of any keeper that's been ever present in the Premier League this season. Why don't you just go and marry Opta as well? Who's the other one? Stecklenburg. Uh, Nope. Uh, Although I've got a stat about Stecklenburg for <laughs> a minute. Or Stecklenburg. Valdez. Nope. Ben Foster. Oh. Yep. See, why is he not in the England squad anymore? I, after his performance this weekend, I genuinely don't know. He he was awesomely good. The only bad Didn't... thing I could ever remember him doing is letting that goal in against Spurs from Paul Robinson. I'm, I'm pretty sure he retired from England, didn't he? Because he wasn't getting picked first choice. Oh, right, OK. Ah, uh, right, that makes sense. That's his own choice. Mm. So, Mark, here's one for you. Go on. Stick two penalty saves against Manchester City account for 
14% of all the penalties saved by Everton goalkeepers in the Premier League. There you go. That's a cracking stat, isn't it? Yeah. They've only they've only ever saved 14. That's in the Premier League, obviously. So, mm. you know, pre-1992 doesn't exist, etc., etc. But, yeah. Um, Alex, I've read it wrong. It does say 11 of those came in his last match against Southampton. I didn't doubt myself for a second. Bugger. He's made more saves inside the box than any other goalkeeper as well. Or saves from shots inside the box, 24. (laughs) Do you know which goalkeeper has made the most saves from outside the box so far? (laughs) Because I do. Claudio Bravo. (laughs) Negative. (laughs) How do you save outside the box? Oh, no, sorry, he's not outside the, the box. shot is outside sorry. the box. I'll the oh, I see what you're doing. You're <laughs> sorry. making a joke. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I genuinely heard... No, I'm, no, I'm, I, I'm I genuinely sick. I don't make <laughs> jokes about stats. <laughs> no, I wasn't joking. I, I thought that this is like charging out of the area or something. Um, uh, no, it's Jordan Pickford has saved 19 shots from outside the box in only six games. You said that very seriously, then. I don't joke about the stats. I have a deep-seated love for stats. And not just in football, in rugby as well. Oh, did you see Nigel Evans this week? Made the um, made someone take a penalty again. Oh, yeah, because... Um, was it... Mm, it was either... No, it was Francois Stein. I've got as no was, idea who the rugby player was. Yeah, no, Francois Stein was on the defending side, and as he ran out, he shouted, miss. That's right. Yeah. Honestly, those rugby types are so much more honourable than us football types, Mark. I know, maybe miss is something really complimentary and sweet in Afrikaans, and and the referee (laughs) understood it. Yeah. Um, Hull versus Stoke. Hull have lost their last three um, since Mike Phelan was given the job. Uh, they've not done very well at all. They had that purple patch at the start, didn't they? This is two players who played for Fergie. Now, I listened to a podcast this week, and someone said, name a top-class manager that used to play for Alex Ferguson. And they went, mm, Steve Bruce, and that was all they could think of. I can't think of anybody else. Can you? Uh, well, Hughes has probably done the best, I would say, hasn't he? Because mm. you've got Bruce, uh, Bruce Hughes, Phelan, obviously... Uh, Ince has had a dabble with a degree of success. I suppose it, was it Milton Keynes he had, um, but but not for a while. Uh, Gary Neville, Stam- obviously. Gary <laughs> Neville, yeah, that went well. Yap Stam's gone into management now. Oli um, Solskjaer. Solskjaer, yeah, that actually Solskjaer's. In terms of winning stuff, Solskjaer's probably done the best. I was being a bit hipsterish when I said that because he won the double, didn't he, for Mould a couple of times. Absolutely. But then on New Star Soccer, I took Mould to win the Champions League. So, you know, anyone can do it with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Paul Ince, did anyone see the tweet this week about um, Tom Ince and the Leeds fans? No. Um, no. This was from a guy who tweeted that um, the Leeds fans were singing uh, you're a see you next Tuesday and so was your dad or something like that they were singing at the Tom Ince and this little six year old boy turned around to his dad and said what are they singing dad and what does it mean <laughs> so dad had to explain what that word meant and what it was all about 
Or he could have just lied. Well, that's what I thought, yeah. He's not like, yeah. I remember, yeah, that happened to, that, I did something like that to my parents when I was young. They were, we were travelling down the river in Norwich, I think it was, on a on like a boat cruise type thing. And um, somebody graffitied along by Carrow Road Stadium, PC Fox is a wanker. And I was, <laughs> about, five, I was about five or six at the time. And, and my mum and dad always say that they, they could see that I was going to ask the question on this boat full of people. You know, <laughs> dad, what's a wanker? <laughs> That's a personal grudge you ever sprayed that, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know who PC Fox was, but <laughs> I'm sure he was a perfectly good and respectable constable of Her Majesty's police force. He'd obviously nicked some wrongdoing graffiti artist the week before. Yeah. Who remembers M. Carney's bent from the Mary Whitehouse experience? Who? Does anyone remember that? It was spray painted no. on a railway bridge above Kilburn or something, and David Bedil used to see it every day on his way to work or way to university or something. M. Khan is bent. And he used to get him thinking, well, first of all, who's M. Khan and why would someone take the trouble to spray paint that? <laughs> and why be so formal? Because it's Kilburn, man. <laughs> is that why? Yeah, that was the other thing he couldn't get. Yeah, why, why not use his first name? <laughs> why be so, you know. Um, well, going back to this then, who's going to win? Because Stoke won last week, didn't they? They beat Sunderland. Mm. <coughs> yeah, but anyone can beat Sunderland. That's true. They beat themselves every week. I think this will be a nil-nil draw. What, a drab nil-nil draw, like old Stoke? Yeah. Yeah? What do you think, Mark? Um, I don't know. I think that I think that result probably did a lot for Stoke's confidence, and vice versa. Hull's result as against Bournemouth probably has done probably hasn't done any good to them either. So I fancy Stoke would probably pick up a few good results now and go on a bit of a run. Okay, so you're going for Stoke. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Swansea Watford is next. Who would win? What would you rather have a fight with, a Hornet or a Swan? Oh, Hornet. I, no, I'd rather have a fight with a Swan. Do you think? I'd just kick it fucking hard in the head. <laughs> um, a guy at work this week, he had to go down to an open-air swimming pool that is filled by the sea, because it's right next to the sea down here, and in it was a swan, and um, he couldn't move the swan himself, so he called the RSPCA, and when the RSPCA man turned up, he turned up with a towel and a hook, uh, and tried to grab the swan like he would win a fairground prize and failed and after about two goes went yeah I'm going home I can't catch it but apparently the whole thing about the swan breaking your arm is a myth they can't do it Mm -hmm. I'm sure they can't I'm just wondering why the RSPCA man came with a towel was he going to have a little bit of a bathe to celebrate (laughs) catching the swan with a hook why don't know you wrap the towel it's a thing you do with birds Um, well you certainly do it with chickens Um, I don't know what you do with your birds but (laughs) Is this how you ensnare them in the nightclub, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm, I'm happily, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a one-woman man. That's the expression I was looking for. She's um, still got a hook mark around her neck to prove it. <laughs> the um, yeah, you, you, if you, if you want to pacify a chicken, then you, you pick it up and you tuck its head, kind of under your arm, so that it's in the dark, and it just basically shuts it down and it stops panicking. So my assumption would be 
that if you grab a swan, then you cover the head in the towel, and the same principle applies. So you throw the towel on first and then hook it. Um, well, I mean, if you if you're hooking from a distance, you probably can't throw the towel on first. But as the swan gets closer, then quickly towel it up, and you've got a pacified swan. I suppose so. Well, this guy said that it was a whole myth about the fact that the swan breaks your arm. But he was walking very gingerly because he got a broken rib. And guess what caused his broken rib? A swan. Yes. (laughs) Fuck's sake. (laughs) So they won't break your arm, but they'll break your rib. Well, there you go. This is Swansea's 100th Premier League home game. You'll be excited to hear. Is it really? Yeah. Would you like to know how they've done in the previous 99? Yeah, go on then. They've won 37, drawn 32, and lost 30. 137, drawn... 32, and lost 30. Well, that's quite consistent, isn't it? But they are without a win in their last five Premier League home games. Well, I would suggest that I had a little look at who they played. They've been away at Arsenal, home to Liverpool, um, home to Manchester City twice, and away at Southampton. It's been very mm. cruel, the fixture list to them. And the cup draw, yeah, one of those was a cup draw. Yeah, that's that's true. Um but this American guy they've got in charge that doesn't seem to know anything about football according to Chris Sutton and Robbie Savage <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well what does Chris well I don't know I, it, it's a bizarre attitude to take isn't it mm. um, just because he's not managed in England before clearly he's an idiot um, despite having you know a pretty successful career elsewhere <laughs> I'd like to see Ryan Giggs managed his way through uh, an Egyptian revolution. There's actually there's been a couple of really interesting articles on on how he managed Egypt during that period and and how he got quite involved in the um, protests and and sort of saw his role as being almost as much of a social one as a footballing one. Hmm. He's a, he's a clearly an interesting guy, and his son Michael Bradley. Uh, who's at Toronto is probably the best midfielder in the MLS. Well, he was at Roma for a while as well, wasn't he? So his name he Muggs. was. Yeah, he was at Roma. Yeah, um, I think Steve McManaman is fast taking over the mantle of most negative pundit at the moment. Mark, if you get a chance to hear him, uh, uh, come on, he can't be anything like as bad as. Emperor Chris Sutton in that respect. He was pleased that Neymar missed a penalty um, the other day against Manchester City. It took ages to take his penalty, kind of like having a stare at the keeper and all this sort of thing. And he was getting audibly angry was Steve McManaman for the amount of time he was taking. And then when he missed, he could barely hide his glee at the fact he'd missed because he'd spent so long twatting about waiting to take his penalty. And he went on about it for about three or four minutes afterwards. Is he still involved with Man City in some kind of bordering capacity? Because he was, for, I think he was when, um, I can't remember which takeover it was, whether it was Shinawatra or the fellas who were in there now, but I'm sure he was involved at bordering level. Was he? Maybe that's maybe that's influencing, influencing his attitude. And who did he play for in game. Spain? Well, that probably has a little <laughs> bit to do with yeah. uh, So, what are we going for here, guys? Are we going for Swansea or Watford? Or a draw? I think Swansea will win. Yeah, they've got Lorente and Barrow fit, but no Montero or Nathan Dyer. What do you reckon, Mark? Yeah, I fancy Swansea. 
I think Bradley's going to do a jo- good job there, actually. I think he will as well. Um, West Ham Sunderland. Uh, West Ham got that win last week, didn't they, against Crystal Palace? They they kind of grinded that one out a little bit, didn't they? Um, Ryan Cresswell suspended. Andre Ayew's back training, but won't be fit. Can anyone see Sunderland winning any match this season? <laughs> um, they'll probably start winning them in March and then scrape out of the relegation zone by the skin of their teeth, as they do every single year. But whether David, that's with Moyes in charge, who knows? David Moyes is unbeaten in 12 versus West Ham. Yeah, but yeah, West Ham are beaten yeah. in six against Sunderland. So, Yeah, we're all going West Ham, are we? Oh, you can't not. Well, it's at the it's at the the um the the London Stadium, isn't it? The Coliseum, that is the London I, Stadium. I, I nearly I nearly choked when I said those words, but <coughs> um, so you know their record there's pretty <clears throat> ropey so far. So maybe that's Sunderland's opportunity. You know, while the West Ham players are getting to grips with you know hot dogs being sold in the the, the terracing and people fighting and whatnot, then maybe that's Sunderland's opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool West Brom this has got nil-nil written all over it I think I th- and I think there's going to be some kind of touchline spat between Pulis and Klopp well that's inevitable I think it is isn't it this is like a two meetings of this is some this is like two meetings of a mind isn't it or two different cultures colliding together two people fighting over a mind I think <laughs> who's lost theirs the most Liverpool have got 7 points out of the last 3 games Um, West Brom have drawn their last 3 and And Pulis has drawn his last 4 against Liverpool he has and is unbeaten in 8 against them isn't he Mm -hmm. so I don't think this is going to be that easy for Liverpool when Aldum's back yeah I, I just I don't know Liverpool Liverpool seem to be very potent going forwards, but but there's a sort of an, a slight unsettledness about their backline, um, and they you know Lovren, Clavin, they they've definitely both got mistakes in them. Mm. Um, I think Matip's been better, but they also again Sturridge didn't play well against Man United from what I've um, what little I saw of that I don't think he was uh, alone in that though no that's I think that's true but again if if you play without Sturridge then effectively it's a bit like Man City against Barcelona you're playing without a recognised striker hmm. and and West Brom if there's a side who are excellent at organising defensively then it's West Brom so, um, you know, they've only conceded one first half goal in any game this season. And it's, I can see West Brom just going there and it kind of like Man United did actually. You know, Apulis will have watched that, that game on Monday night and thought, okay, well, that's what we can do then. We were on this last week, weren't we, Mark? We were on with Dave last week and I said that the game against United would go pretty much how it went. But he seemed to think that. United would probably go for it a bit more. Was that right? Did, did he say that, or did I make that up? Uh, I don't know. I think it might have been me who thought that Mourinho couldn't possibly take Liber- uh, Manchester United to Liverpool mm. and play the same way as they did when he took Chelsea there that time and Denver Bar pounced on 
Steven Gerrard's. Um, yeah, yeah, slip. yeah. We, we don't have to talk about that. Okay. Um, but and do you know what? People have been talking about it since the game the other night to say that Manchester United parked the bus and they didn't venture forward and all that. And I don't think that's true at all. I think in the first half they were the ones that were probably more likely to score on the break, and they looked. They had plenty of attacking intent in the first half, not so much in the second, mind you, but that's because Liverpool pressed them back. So I don't think they parked the bus as much as anybody has claimed that they did. West Brom, if you think Man United were defensive, West Brom are going to be 11 men across the locks, never mind six or seven. Mm. Um, and if and again, Liverpool had that problem with breaking Man United down the other night. Um, OK, De Gea made a couple of good saves, but they're going to have that same problem with West Brom. And Pulis, you know, he's going to take great pleasure in in stifling that game as much as he possibly can, going for the nil-nil. Um, and you mentioned about storage. I was talking to somebody in the pub on Sunday night before the Liverpool-Man United game, and I was saying that I don't think they should start storage. In fact, I think he's probably, in attacking sense, he's Liverpool's weak link now. Because when was the last time you felt that he played well? OK, he, he's had flashes of brilliance and the odd good goal in the last year or 18 months. All right, he's had a fair bit of injury. But I think they look a better team when he's not playing. I don't know. I keep thinking about Stephen Jarrod falling over. Now you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck I mean, forever. Did you not hear anything I said? <laughs> no. After that, I think I did hear. I heard about you being down the pub on Sunday night talking before the game. So does that mean you got to the pub twenty four hours early? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, spent spent it in there with most Liverpool fans. <laughs> uh, Chelsea versus Manchester United. Then has this got a narrative claxon all over it because? It, is, uh, the fans are welcoming back, weren't they, Mourinho? Or will they? Mm. Oh, I'm sure so. they will. Staff will keep the door locked. Hmm? Medical staff will keep the door locked, but the fans will be happy to see him. Yeah, you think so? I don't know, I think they will, won't they? Um, Chelsea Manchester United have played 48 Premier League fixtures, haven't they? Seen as neither have been relegated. Um... Mm-hmm. One team has won 16 and one team has scored 13. I, I did have here a quiz written in asterisks as to who would get which one, but presumably, Alex, you're going to get it. Chelsea have won 16, five of which were Mourinho in charge. Well done. They're the Premier League team that have beaten Manchester United the most, aren't they? Uh, yeah. They were they were the bogey team in the, in the mid to late 90s for United when they was, you know, Chelsea were not really that good and United were far by far and away the best team they always seem to turn them over well there was a 5-0 in there wasn't there and then there was the <clears throat> Zola turning Dennis Irwin inside out wasn't there mm. so yeah if if Chelsea don't lose it will be their longest run without defeat against United in league history in their league history That's they've never done more than 8 and they're currently on isn't it? <laughs> They're on, yeah, they're on three wins and four draws. So either of those, and they'll they'll have set a record. And I think they'll get that actually. I think they will as well, because why wouldn't he park the bus again, having parked it at Liverpool on Monday? Part, uh, but then Mourinho's ego is a curious element in this, and because it is Chelsea, will will he want to show? Something, or will he just settle for the point? Are Chelsea that good that he needs to go there with Man United, with the most expensive player in the world and the rest of their big name players, and park the bus at Chelsea? Okay, Liverpool, you can understand they were flying, but Chelsea are hardly okay. They've done all right, but they're really inconsistent. And um, I think you know, they're, they're clicking not... now. 
You really think? I, I don't know. I think mm. they played a poor Leicester team the other day. Leicester were really bad when they beat them 3-0. And a couple of games before that, Chelsea were pretty ropey. Yeah, but Conte's, Conte's now finding this form that tactically that works for him. And Azpilicueta seems to be all right as a right-sided centre-half. Um, and Matic and Kante together as a midfield pairing is is quite tasty. And Matic has started... Matic was awful last season, but he's he's starting to play quite well again. And Costa is... You know, Costa's either scored or assisted for 50 goals in his last 62 games. He's scored seven and eight so far this season as well, hasn't he? So Yeah. I mean, it's... Like, he's, he's an extraordinary player. Um... And and I just think that there's there's enough about this Chelsea side to to beat United on Sunday, um, and it wouldn't surprise. I, I think it would be quite a fractious game as well, um, and I can see everybody kind of losing their cool and everything going a bit mad. I can see um, an Atletico Madrid scenario when Mourinho when he lost his rag and the goalkeeping coach came over and told him he'd knock his block off. Yeah, d- yes. And I the goalkeeping coach is that massive. Uh, what's his name? Borgo, the Argentine guy, Borgo Borgo or something. Burgas, Jermaine Burgas, yes. and his nickname was the Monk. Yes, I'm not Tito. I'm not your block off. Is what he said. Yes, that's right. I can imagine uh, something like that between um, Conte and um, and Mourinho. I don't. I don't particularly think Conte was the kind of person that would have a fist fight with him, but. I think you would wake up in three months' time and suddenly find your brakes cut on your car or something with Conte. I was going to say exactly that. I think Conte would smile very, very sweetly at you. And then several years down the line, you'd wake up and he would be sat over you with a pistol in your mouth or something. Yeah, he's definitely a revenge is a dish bear surf colder guy. Absolutely. Yeah, as everybody should be. Hmm. <laughs> Um, right, well, that brings us to the end of the podcast, guys. Um, is this anyone who's got anything you, they want to mention? Mark, do you want to mention Football Pink? Yeah, why not? Uh, a sly plug for issue 14, which is out now. Um, and this one is totally dedicated to Scotland, Scottish football. A Fit Bar special. A, a Fit Bar special, indeed, yeah. And, and, and by the way, it comes in paper form. It's not deep fried. <laughs> Uh, if they want to get in touch with you on Twitter and ask you how they can get a copy, how do they do that? Uh, they can ask me that question uh, at the Football Pink. At the Football Pink. Alex, if someone wants to leave a uh, briefcase lying around but wants to find it afterwards, how do they follow you? <laughs> um, at AFH Stewart. At AFH Stewart. I think the night one that was very nice actually is when they tracked the Polish <laughs> guy down and he gave it him back again. Yes, that was touching, wasn't it? <laughs> it was very sweet. Uh, okay, brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much, guys. We'll see how those results um, we previewed will come out over the weekend. Uh, I'm not sure if there'll be a podcast or not on Sunday. We'll have to wait and see. Um, manofthepost.com is the website. Uh, at Man on the Post is the Twitter account. You can keep up to date on there uh, with us. Um, if you want to get in touch with Ross, you can get in touch with him, Ross at manofthepost.com. If you've got any articles you want to pitch to us, um, our Instagram account is at Man on the Post as well. Uh, so thank you ever so much, chaps. Thank you. Thank you very much. And always remember to keep your man on the post. Man on the post.